This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you've tuned into The Property Show, the show all about everything property-related, and I'm Chong Jen Sun. Today, we're looking at our foreign-based architects' disadvantage in Malaysia. Foreign-based architects are not new to Malaysia. Our majestic KLCC Twin Towers were designed by a renowned Argentinian architect, Cesar Pelli, while Sir Norman Foster's firm, Foster's & Partners, has designed many buildings in the KLCC vicinity and also Mount Kera. Are these foreign architecture firms, which have a base in Malaysia, competing on a level playing field with their Malaysian counterparts or are there certain nuances and protectionist measures they have to contend with? Joining me to discuss this is Man In Chan. Man In is a professional architect registered with the Board of Architects Malaysia and is the founding partner for Design Collective Architects and EDI Architects Sandran Berhad. He has over 25 years of working experience and his office has been awarded local and international awards for their projects. The most recently completed projects include House 68, Hanging Gardens at 21, Villa 8 in Phnom Penh and UOB Tower 1 Kuala Lumpur in which the office collaborated with the Tenji Associates from Tokyo. Man In, um, just to start, how competitive is the architecture landscape in Malaysia? Can you give us an idea how fragmented the industry is? Thank you for uh, having me. Um, yes, it is fairly competitive. Um, it's uh, And it's also quite fragmented. Uh, the architecture industry is somewhat divided uh, based on even client types, project types, project values, or even local and international projects. I mean, you just take, for example, client types, you've got immediately you can, sub, you can divide that into a private project versus a government project or a GLC-related project. Uh, project types, you've got like mass versus uh, individual bespoke projects, commercial, industrial. And then if you look at project value, you've got like low cost and affordable housing to medium and to high. So these are all fragmented uh, to a point that a lot of the architects are actually very much um, niched or into all these. Um, they're known for specifically a particular niche or type that they're involved in. And um, I think that's how it's fragmented in the sense that you, you, you may have offices that are known for mass housing or you may have offices that are known for industrial or commercial projects, in which case uh, it becomes uh, something that they're known for and it's hard for them to cross over or, or, or mix around. So it's that it's that kind of fragmentation that we are, we are, we're looking at. Um, and then, of course, finally, you've got the local and international projects. Um, I think in KL, you'll see a lot of international projects where you've got uh, big boys and, and uh, yeah, multinationals building their, their HQs or, or buildings here. Uh, in which case, there's, I think a lot of it is where uh, these international architects or, or foreign offices come into play, where they, they will actually have their preferred designers or architects that they probably worked with overseas or their usual uh, architects that they work in the project. So the competitiveness is very, it's, it's there. Um, and you either excel in what you do uh, and you get hired or basically you compete uh, with these other people within the within the niche itself. Uh, um, the 
problem I think I will see is that the competition is in certain in some niches are so heavy uh, it's so it's so uh, tight that uh, some of them eventually start looking at instead of doing better jobs they start lowering their fees stuff like that in which case that's something that the board of architects really doesn't like because what it does is that it just brings you down a very terrible cycle and everything just goes downhill from there like the quality of work manpower experience just goes just goes downhill uh. right man and I would like to touch uh, a bit on uh, what happened a few years ago the board of architects Malaysia the then president he's cautioned that the influx of foreign architects has affected local practitioners and should be regulated but with increased globalization and potentially finalization of the CTPPP is this the right mindset to have where the industry should be encouraged to operate on a global level playing field I think on a personal note, I think I would say that it should be a level playing field. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the only way to improve and strive to basically match international levels of design thinking. Um, there's no real value in a closed circle where work comes to you because they have to and not because they want you. Um, I mean, having said that, there will be a lot of friction and opposition on this matter, I'm sure, uh, where there's always that need to, or, and the need that they want to protect your own local industry. Um, and those already struggling with the competition locally are now having to you know compete with these foreign offices uh, this can intentionally lead to an unhealthy practice again like I said to uh, lowering the fees just to compete with these foreign uh, offices uh, it's a tough balance uh, but essentially I would think that it's still it's, it's a growing pains that the industry needs to go through that at least to develop yourself and stand amongst the international architects as peers uh, otherwise um, we'll just be stuck in this cycle of just amongst yourselves and you're not really thinking internationally. So the Architects mm-hmm. Act 1967, Act 117, it allows foreign professionals to operate in Malaysia as long as they adhere to some guidelines. But some parties are arguing that they should be res- registered under the Board of Architects Malaysia or LAM for better collaboration with locals. What is the advantage of doing so and do you agree with this? I think by having respective boards of architects and associations from each country recognising each other's registration, I mean, that should be enough without having to impose additional hurdles. Um, if you're already registered as an architect in a, in a foreign country, in, in a particular country that, just say, for example, Malaysian recognizes, um, it should be sufficient that it's recognized here. And I think it's already doing that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the process of registration is already somewhat a very long process. And I think if, if you're going to impose additional steps to register somebody that's already registered overseas, um, this would generally just push them away and operate without registering. Instead. I think to embrace this openly, um, but with an agenda to develop the local industry uh, would be a good direction. Uh, assuming the concept of a, technical, uh, a technology transfer, I mean, that's how China did it many years ago. When you first opened up to uh, foreign architects practicing in their country, uh, one generation after, many of the top practitioners, Chinese uh, top practicing architects today um, have origins and links to these foreign partnerships. I mean, it's you can actually see them uh, developing and um, I think in China nowadays, you don't hear too much of foreign architects anymore, but instead the next generation of their local local talents are doing fantastic projects. As a follow-up question, Martin, the then LAM president says that it is important to uphold Act 117 because it will allow LAM to regulate registered individuals for consistency in the quality of workmanship covering five professions, the architect interior designer, the inspector of works, the building draftsman, and the architectural technologist. Is this really the case? Uh, yes, 
this should be the case. As the board and the Act is the mechanism to allow for each of these members to be registered and recognized as a professional, um, being an architect, an interior designer, uh, technologist, IOW and whatnot. The, this regulation allows for anyone who engages their services uh, to ensure that, okay, these guys are professionals and they know what they're doing and they, they know that they're employing somebody that's a registered party with the board. I think it's, it's uh, it should. Uh. What issues are the current president of LAM, Datin Yong Rafida? Uh, what, what issues are, is she championing now for the industry? Um, okay, I can't speak on behalf of LAM or Datin Rafida, but as a private practitioner looking on, I would think there's a very keen interest in LAM to engage with the younger graduates and to communicate with the needs, the need to have them registered as a professional. Uh, unfortunately, there is a trend with the local graduates that seem to not pursue the profession in full, uh, choosing to stop midway. I thought about, you know, going through the part three examinations and get registered seems like a very big hurdle and inconvenience to them. The pathway to full registration as a practicing architect is a, is a very long journey. And I think this one has deterred many of the young graduates. Literally, to them, it's just too far away. It's just too hard. And basically, there's no point for them. So I think, I think um, there is this keen interest by uh, LAM to actually start engaging with the younger graduates and start to get them in and, and get them to see the, the, the benefits and, and the need for registration. Yeah, the pathway to full registration is uh, as uh, rigorous, rigorous as being um, a doctor, right? I mean, the time of years yes, that you were spent. Uh, it's, a, it's a very long process. Um, generally, you go through your, your whole master's uh, uh, that's already like five years and then you, you need to practice for another two, three years and then after that, you have to sit for an exam an oral exam and a written exam uh, the whole process can take you at least eight to nine years and um, I know of people who have sat for exams for at least five or six times um, that's that's over a stretch of five to six years already so just to get yourself registered so it's a very long process but where do some of these graduates uh, what do they do then if they don't complete the full path to registration what is their career uh, route then they, a lot of them are practicing uh, on their own I mean the the, the, the 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 ones that can, I mean, of course, they're practicing illegally or, or not illegally. They're, they're practicing without registration um, as design uh, designers, or they won't call themselves design architects. Um, they'll, they'll circumvent the name, you know, the word architect, uh, so they call themselves designers. And they'll design things and they'll collaborate with uh, local practices. So they will have, um, they'll partner up with somebody who is registered. Um, whether the amount of uh, partnership is dependent on how, how they work. Some of uh, unfortunately, there are practitioners, uh, registered architects who generally provide rubber stamping services where the designer, the younger graduates will just draw, draw everything and design everything and then come to him and he'll just do the submissions and rubber stamps everything and, and gets it approved. So um, there are or there is this kind of practice going on. Um, I mean, it's a, it's an open secret kind of thing where a lot of people know about it. So it's... It's, it's, it's what they've been doing. Right? And we'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You've tuned into The Property Show. I'm Chong Jensen. Today's topic is Are foreign-based architects disadvantaged in Malaysia? Joining me to discuss this is Man In Chan. He's founding partner for Design Collective Architects and EDI Architects, Sindran Berhad. Man In, are the foreign firms disadvantaged in any way in terms of government policies? Are there any policies in place to protect local firms or is it a free market in Malaysia? I think um, you're referring to firms that are 
not based in Malaysia, I presume. Um, those are operating within your own country rules and, uh, uh, and are registered in your own country. Uh. Working in Malaysia um, for these foreign architects usually mean collaborating with the local registered architects. Of course, there are setups and, and offices that are based in Malaysia um, as a as a so-called a branch office or a, a, this local design office. But again, they're as they're still partnering with uh, uh, or collaborating with a local registered office. So in terms of, um, I think, government policies, I don't think there's a real disadvantage to them because uh, literally they are here operating as a, a satellite office or a branch office um, without any disturbance. I mean, they, they're, they're able to work uh, freely in the market. I think it's just that um, as a professional, the the advertising or the, the promotion of their services are limited. I mean, that, but then that applies across the board to all architects. Um, there, there's a there's a control and there's a limitation to what you can uh, promote and how you can promote as well. So, um, but then again, like I said, the, the practice of architecture in Malaysia is very much um, who knows you and, and word of mouth and the kind of referral kind of situation. How do we get this uh, mindset to really evolve then? Evolve in terms of the foreign architects? Oh, or no, in terms government? of um, who knows who and how the industry operates oh, uh, rather than I mean, based on reputation. <laughs> and... No, I think the, the, the thing is, I mean, like I always say to some of, the, some of my other friends as well, it's, it's actually not um, not so much of who you know, and it's more of who knows you, um, uh, and that comes into play when when um, you you move up the, the 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 chain where people know uh, or people know of your work, and that's very much merit based. I think the the one that is uh, that we would we should avoid is um, the practice where you know who, where as an office, then you start to know I know who this guy, I know that guy, and that's how you get the job. I think that's the one that we want to avoid. Um, what you want is you want them to know you for what you can do so and that's where um, the expertise and, and the, 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 the values that you're giving to a particular project uh, comes into play so they want you to get involved or they want you as a as the architect to design certain things that um, they see value that you can bring into the project and you can contribute to the, the whole thing right. Manin for GLC projects and the public sector is it still being dominated by local firms has foreign firms managed to make any inroad uh, the biggest projects in Malaysia are all foreign unfortunately <laughs> the, the biggest projects um, the Petronas Steam Towers like you just said KLIA um, the soon completed 118 they're all foreign uh, collaborations so unfortunately the biggest projects here are done by foreign architects but having said that these are all also in collaboratives uh, with a local architect uh, office and generally they share the responsibilities uh, I mean I think Kuala Lumpur has a good mix of uh, projects completed by local firms as well as foreign collaborative projects and foreign firms uh, it's a good mix and I think the the when you say whether foreign firms have managed to make any inroads they're already in <laughs> Um, and how easy is it to hire architecture graduates now? What is the main motivating factor for graduates now when picking the firm to work for? I think it's not difficult to hire architecture graduates now. But I think the key point here is uh, it's not easy to hire a good architecture graduate. Um, so 
there are a lot in the market. There's a lot of uh, how do you say the graduates that basically just come up from uh, local and foreign universities. It's just that now it's we just need to get good ones with the correct mindset. I mean that's that's not easy having the right mindset. Um, I think the the key point that I trying to get at is that the graduates today are very different from those 30, 40 years ago. Um, those that came out from us in architecture school about 20, 20 30, 40 years ago, they, they have a very different mindset as to today. The architecture is still somewhat of a very artisanal project, a profession. And for you to learn the ropes and to say, you know, as they say in this practice, takes time and patience. Sir. I think this is the main issue here where um, a lot of the younger graduates, I mean, I think this goes across the board in, in everything. Patience is um, something that is semi-lacking in the, in, the, in the youth today and because everything happens so fast nowadays. Uh, and they, they, they're, not, they're not willing to just sit in the office for the first five years to learn the ropes and um, everything wants to, they, they want everything to happen immediately. I think. Yeah, Manning, can we speak a bit more about what you touched on earlier where you're seeing more individuals who are unregistered pract- practitioners coming into the market. How can this be addressed? Okay, there are a lot more unregistered practitioners in the market. Um, basically, like I said, the younger graduates don't see the need to register. Um, uh, and again, this is also partly due to the difficulty of the registration and examinations. The, the younger graduates just prefer to just work with, uh, with the registered party or work in an office um, instead of to comply with the, 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 the statutory requirements and the, and the rules and the liabilities. I think it's not going to be an easy task um, to address this. Uh, I think LAM and I think PAM and a few other uh, bodies are trying to engage with this so-called next generation of practitioners and uh, find a way to simplify the whole process. I mean, uh, you can you can also argue that you also don't want to simplify it so much that to start to bring in unqualified architects into the profession. So there, there's that, that very difficult balance of how you bring them in and at the same time, how you ensure that they are qualified in the first place. So the that is something that is going to be very, very difficult. And... Um, it's not easy to to, to balance. Um, it's I think everybody just needs to change their mindset. Um, I think the board needs to also look at it from the younger architect's point of view, why they're not being registered, how they see the profession, because I think they also look at architecture and the profession very differently nowadays. And at the same time, how, um, I mean, all these like me <laughs> look at it in a very different way as well. So we, we may not be looking at this whole idea of registration in the same light. And in a sense that maybe then you, there, there could be some sort of a dialogue between the, the younger ones, the new generation, the, the current generation, and see why they're not registering and then figure out a way to, to meet them and, and register them. All right, Manin, what further regulation in your view is needed, especially if it involves issues such as concerns on the safety of the buildings and the occupants? I think we're already very well registered. Uh, regulated in aspects of building safety. Um, there are a lot of uh, acts and, and, and regulations uh, in, 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 in play. I think my biggest concern to me is always not so much of the regulation itself, but the implementation and the monitoring of it. Um, it's just that there's law, but it's nobody's 
looking at the law. Uh, nobody's monitoring the law and nobody's regulating it. So the, the construction industry is very uh, non-precise and many things happen behind closed doors. Uh, a lot of things are, you know, you don't know what's happening behind the hoarding. So it, it needs to be monitored more closely. And I think the builders and the contractors uh, basically being the, the head for the construction site um, needs to take full responsibility. It needs to be taking on more responsibility in the process of building and implementation. They need to monitor the site. They need to be able to uh, make sure that you know safety and and, um, and 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 all these aspects are taken care of. Uh, because the architect can only do so much. Um, we are we are not there overseeing construction or the the, the completion of the work, the full period of the construction site. So the the building of it is going to be very important. And that the construction kind of like adheres to the safety regulations that's already, that's already quite a few regulations that's there. I don't think there's a need for additional ones. And lastly, Martin, has business for the architecture profession picked up considerably post the pandemic? I know you mentioned earlier it's become more competitive and we've seen price cutting, but what is the general outlook? It's picked up, but I wouldn't say heavily. Um, and the difficulty of it is it's not so much of whether the, the industry picked up. The difficulty is that we're still experiencing the last two years of backlog projects. So things are, are overloaded in the sense that because we we need to we need to have new jobs to to, to sustain or to, to keep the, the office moving. But at the same time we have backlogs from the last two to three years that were held back because of the pandemic. So I think many offices are experiencing this that things are things are moving along but we're moving along long as in uh, the, the, the amount of work is kind of like doubled up because of the, the lack of work in the last two years. So things are you know, in that sense. Uh, of course, there's a lot of um, talk about recessions and, 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 and work being you know, held back for this year and stuff like that. So people are concerned. Yes, uh, developers, clients are a little bit concerned. And especially when it comes to uh, the cost for construction also being a question mark of what's going to happen this year. So it's, it's something that is of concern. People are looking at it and just, you know, um, being very cautious about it. It's just that it's, um, I think we can be cautious, but at the same time, we still need to look forward and, and push ourselves and, and do what we can do for the, this coming year. Thank you, Manin. That's all the time that we have for the Property Show. I've been speaking to Manin Chan, founding partner for Design Collective Architects and EDI Architects, Sundran Berhad. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.